prayer for me is much more of a conversation. I feel like I'm praying throughout the day all the time. My thoughts are prayers. I just feel like God's inside my head. He's inside my heart and he's constantly listening. And I think he's, he's in all of it. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Positively Joy, a podcast on searching for the light all around us in all seasons of life. We look for God in the everyday and choose joy even in the hard times. I'm your host, Yvette Walker, and I'd love for you to become a part of our online podcast family and join our Positively Joy community on Facebook. Visit PositivelyJoy.com for previous episodes and to check out our cool merch. And listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you go for podcasts. We drop episodes Monday and Thursday. And if you like, leave us a rating and a review. It helps us show up for more people in the listings. So we thank you and on with the show. Hello, you're listening to Positively Joy, and I'm your host, Yvette Walker. Mike McDonald from The Bible Project is our guest today. And I know most of you are very familiar with The Bible Project and its YouTube channel. But Mike is a former pastor, and prior to joining The Bible Project, he served for over a decade in more than 15 countries, working to improve people's daily lives. Welcome to the show, Mike. (laughs) Thank you so much, Yvette. So great to be here. Well, thank you. I'm super, super excited to have you here. Now, in case there's anyone out there who's been living under a rock and doesn't know what the Bible Project is and all about, can you please describe this unique channel, which has been around since 2014? Sure. Yeah, we're um, we're an animation studio uh, out in Portland, Oregon. We've been making explainer videos about the Bible. You know, our you know aim and hope is to help people experience the Bible as a unified story that leads to Jesus, and we do that through short animated uh, videos that take you through uh, either books of the Bible or themes, um, word studies, how to read the Bible, lots of different types of videos just to help people um, actually dive into this book that, you know, so many of us care about, but have often, and I'll include myself in that, no idea how to approach it. Um, And so it's it's hopefully a helpful resource for a lot of folks. Oh, yeah. It's helpful. All right. (laughs) The project has been really pivotal in my life and also in my church's life because my church uses it. uh, Sometimes. uh, Yeah, there's been some scripture series where we will look at Bible project videos and in conjunction with the, you know, with the with the uh, the sermon series. So that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And personally, I've embarked on scripture writing the book of Isaiah, you know, pretty ambitious (laughs) In in a journal. And the episode on Isaiah and on the prophets is, was really helpful for me to understand what was going on and really what I was writing. So, yeah, it's definitely oh, I love helpful. That. <laughs> so the mission of the show is to help people experience the Bible as this unified story that leads to Jesus, which is awesome. It's, it's again, I, I know most of my listeners has, has, have listened to it, but just in case you haven't, it's so specific and how it's plotted out. How does the team plan out the show or even come up with ideas for chapters of the shows? Yeah. So if you're talking about our podcast or I guess the videos, I mean, either way, our podcasts mm-hmm. um, really are John and Tim fleshing out the, you know, what's actually going to get taught through the the shorter video. And sometimes those are hours and hours and hours of content to kind of boil into a five minute video. 
Um, you know, the first 70 were pretty easy. We just did every single book of the Bible. Um, and some of them took two videos like Genesis and others that are maybe longer books that we needed to spend a little more time, um, you know, uh, in that in that specific book. Um, and then after that, you know, Tim, you know, we've got five years of content even mapped out as of right now. So we've got wow. kind of the next five years figured out at least in what we're going to be doing. Um, big theme videos are, are themes that we find from Genesis to Revelation throughout the entire scriptures and woven together through that kind of tapestry. Um, word studies are, you know, words that me and you might hear often in church, but we want to get back to the root of that word and like, where did that come from and what was the intent? And because, you know, often language just changes over years and it gets either watered down or it, you know, it the word sin is going to mean something to me maybe different than it did in the original intent just because of the way that we use language um, in today's day. So, yeah, we're, we're constantly trying to, you know, um, help people when they actually get in and, and read it. And one big thing that I find with at least with myself and other Christians is, is you know, why do we need the Old Testament? If, if I just need Jesus, then what's the point of going back and, and reading Isaiah or, or, or spending time in those books? And I think that's what Tim and John do a, just a masterful job of is helping people understand, like, you can't understand Jesus if you don't understand the garden in Genesis. You can't understand the new heavens and the new earth if you don't understand that. And so it's super important for us to have a overarching understanding and view of something that we really hold as being like an authority in our life in so many ways. And so, yeah, I, I've I, that's how we do it. I mean, we're constantly thinking of new new topics, um, and often it's just in discussions like you know, like this, uh, where Tim's reading his Bible and he reads Hebrew because he speaks fluent Hebrew, and so he'll be reading his Bible and he'll go, "Oh my gosh, I never noticed this before," and there comes a new video. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, we're all learning constantly when it comes to the scriptures for sure. And yeah, and people need to know. So you introduced this as an animation, uh, or part you know part of it as an animation studio, and. It's cartoons. Let's be honest. It's cartoons. <laughs> cartoons about Jesus for the internet. Car yep. Yes, <laughs> exactly. But people need to realize that you guys, I mean, there's so much experience and knowledge among the team. Oh, my goodness. I mean, mm. we just talked about the fact that, you know, oh, I'm just going to sit down and read my Hebrew Bible. I mean, just, yeah it's, yeah, it's not just cartoons. But I imagine that the animation really pulls people in in a way that maybe even real life actors could do Absolutely. Like what, kind of, what kind of feedback are you getting yeah i mean so I, they are cartoons in the sense that it's animation but i definitely don't they're not kids videos for right. sure you know they are i mean we've got hebrew scholars watching them to their seminary classes and everything else so that we use animation as a mode of communication so that because we're such visual learners mm -hmm. and we're it allows us to actually do so much more with the visuals than if it was just me and you talking head teaching something. So Tim could obviously get up and just teach something. But when you start putting the visuals in there, you know, it, it's amazing what you can do to tell a story and to weave those types of um, those types of things together. So, I mean, one is that second is, is that they just they're more evergreen. They last longer. You know, um, when you watch a movie from 30 years ago or 25 years ago, you can tell that it's an older movie than what yeah. you'd watch today. What's amazing is, is that with animation, I mean, a lot lots of us would go and watch Toy Story one, which came out 25 years ago. Um, and it, it doesn't change that much, you know, when it comes to uh, how we see it. And so I think there's they, they can last a little bit longer, obviously, than Talking Head. But really, it comes down to trying to communicate um, a specific thing. 
And we've just found that animation, visual animation really helps with the learning aspect of taking in all these kind of complex ideas. Mm, I so agree. I get really excited when I get, you know, notification that the next episode is, is ready. Um, so now your job is a little bit different than obviously what Tim and John does. So as director of global focus and strategic relationships at the Bible Project, I imagine that means your job is all about making connections with leaders and with journalists and other influencers. Uh, is that right? Yeah. So, I mean, uh, so the global focus part is we are localizing all of our content into other languages um, to serve, you know, the globe as well as we can. And so, um, and that's fully localized. It's not just audio dubbing over or subtitles. We actually fully redo the art, fully redo the animation. We work with local indigenous leaders in these countries where the languages that we're, we're working on. So our, you know, our Brazilian team is in Brazil, our French team is in France, you know. So we work with folks um, to help really make these videos come alive in their own context. And, and it's not even word for word. We're really looking at the contextual side of things. So, you know, where I might say email, we're not going to use that same word maybe in um, one of our Indian languages where it just makes more sense to use something else. And so we're constantly changing that. So that's the global focus side is really getting these materials out into uh, the global audience. The strategic relationships side is, yeah, all of our kind of relationships that we have with organizations and, and individuals like Alpha and Crew and Young Life and, you know, uh, all, all these different organizations we work with, Hillsong and so on across the globe. Um, that's That would be my team's job to kind of help steward those relationships and really care for them and figure out how can we serve these organizations. Because all of our stuff is free. We're not looking for money. We're not looking for, you know, uh, more users in that sense. We're really just trying to figure out how do we serve and bless those communities. And so, yeah, that's a, it's a great job to have. I get to just meet with incredible leaders and folks to help figure out how we can use the materials inside their ecosystem. Oh, that's great. That's great. And I imagine that your background. So in your previous life, you know, you led a lot of thousands even of leaders on hundreds of trips to the Middle East and various places around the globe. And I imagine, does that help inform the relationship building that you do now in your work? Oh, for sure. I mean, for me, everything is relationship. I, everything. I don't do networking. I don't do, like, everything is relationship. It's friendship. Yeah. And and that's often built through shared experiences and doing things together. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I gained a lot of that, obviously, in, in the last kind of 15 years of doing a lot of that work. Um, but I find if you show up, into any situation with a heart to serve and to give, um, then it's pretty easy to, to build those relationships and, and, you know, uh, do that. That's, that's our whole posture is just how do we, how do we give? And so, um, yeah, but it's super helpful. I would say absolutely the, you know, the trips and, um, building so many relationships globally, a lot of the relationships that we work with overseas are ones that I was able to build while, while being there. Um, you know, there's something different about showing up on on somebody's doorstep instead of a phone call. And so when you've sat in a friend's house in, you know, Kurdistan in Iraq um, and you want to get this stuff done into the Kurdish language, it's just so much easier because I've, I've, I've had tea with these people. I've sat and had dinner with these people. Um, and so they're real relationships. They're not, you know, just built off of a phone call. Mm, so awesome. Okay, so now let's talk more about you. Tell me a little bit about yourself and your family, and who were your early influences? 
Oh man. So I'm married uh, to an amazing woman, Melissa, who is a um, mental health therapist. She's a counselor. Um, we met uh, about 12 years ago down here in Portland, been married for 11 years, um, almost, yeah, 12 years coming up. Uh, we, let's see, I'm from Canada originally, grew up in Canada, small little ski town uh, up in British Columbia. Didn't grow up in the church. I grew up in a Baha'i home. So it was very, um, you know, engaged Baha'i uh, community. Uh, Baha'is, uh, the foundation comes from uh, Iran. It was a Middle Eastern religion, kind of an offshoot of Islam, um, although they wouldn't say that, but um, from Iran, really preaching equality between men and women, equality between races, equality between religions. And so I grew up in a very multicultural, very accepting home, um, which really shaped, you know, a lot of who I am today, uh, especially as it pertains to justice and compassion and working in other um, areas of, of the world. Um, I kind of went on a find myself trip in Turkey uh, when I was 19. That's where I uh, ended up getting introduced to a missionary there named Mark, who shared the gospel with me. And that was kind of my first experience with um, uh, with with that, with Jesus. I mean, I knew about the Bible and Jesus because I was a Baha'i, but um, that was a whole different thing. Uh, I got engaged in a church uh, back home in, in Edmonton. I moved to um, Calgary and then Edmonton, got involved in a church there, moved to Portland because I was a part of a restaurant company that, that came down and bought a bunch of restaurants in, um, in the States. And so I came to Portland to do that, got involved in a church community here called the Mogaday Community. That's uh, where I met a guy named Donald Miller, uh, and we started a small group together and actually started a nonprofit called The Mentoring Project that was helping kids uh, who grew up without dads. And that kind of entered into my work in the nonprofit world. So I was in business world, owning and operating restaurants, doing all the leadership development and all of that, and then moved into the nonprofit sector and kind of started this nonprofit with Don and then ended up going to a church uh, here in town called Solid Rock that planted Bridgetown. And... Uh, ran something called Hear the Cry, which was all of our global justice ministries. Um, and so, yeah, that's kind of like, I don't know, that's my path. Uh, you know, I'm going from business into kind of the ministry world. Um, you know, my wife and I, uh, yeah, we're here in Portland. We, you know, no kids. Um, yeah, we're, we're super thankful for, you know, what we get to do. And now the, with the Bible Project, John John was an old friend of mine from uh, Imago Day from the church from 15 years ago. So I knew of and the Bible Project and everything else. So a few years ago when they were looking at really kind of launching into a global um, relationship type thing where they're trying to, you know, hopefully help a lot of organizations around the world, that's where I came on um, to help with that and, and hand it off, hear the cry and, and started with them. Mm. You know, one thing I love about what I get to do is to hear about people's backgrounds. I love your background. I love the path. It's so interesting. Um, so I'm originally from Chicago, and you may know that the huge Baha'i Baha Center there. Yeah, Absolutely. huge Baha'i Center there. and well met. Yeah, yeah. And, and well met. And while and while I've always been, I mean, I'm a I'm a baptized baby, baptized Catholic, and I've always been Christian. But I was really always very interested in the Baha'i faith because of the equality, because of just exactly what you said, um, the multiculturalism and the equality of it. So. A lot of boy, just just understanding that, and if anyone out there understands what the Baha'i faith is about, understanding what you're doing now makes a lot of sense. Mm. And for those who don't, the Baha'is do believe that Jesus Christ was a real person. They do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so, yeah. They, yeah. I mean, it's it wasn't that far off for me to move from, you know, 
Yeah, it's an interesting, it's a very interesting thing because they don't look at Baha'u'llah, their, the prophet, they don't look mm-hmm. at him as the same as Jesus at all. They look at him as a teacher, uh, what they would call a manifestation of God. So the, the spirit of God is in them. And, you know, um, but they totally believe that Jesus was somebody just like Baha'u'llah in their mind. So they're, yeah. they've already elevated Jesus to this like prophet stature, teacher, you know, special human type thing. Um, and so that's a, it, it was an easy for me when I read the Gospels, I just went, wow, this is who I need to follow. When I read the Gospel of Matthew, that's for me what it was in Turkey. I read through the whole Gospel in, in one evening. Um, and I just I just knew I was following the wrong for me, the wrong uh, person. And so all of a sudden, Jesus, for me, got elevated into this place of authority. And um, and then it was a long walk. I mean, listen, I, I was not a like instantaneous conversion and everything. Now I just am here. It was like I didn't know anything about the Holy Spirit. I didn't know about the Trinity. I didn't know about any of that stuff. I just knew Jesus is Lord. That's who I want to follow. And then it's been years to kind of like catch up with, you know, what that means. Well, if you had to start any path, starting with Jesus is probably the it's, perfect place start. to start. It's true. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, you've got, you've got obviously, you know, your beliefs, you've got business gifts. So when has God, and then, and then you've, you've met all these people all over the world. So if you can think about when has God used your unique gifts to love someone? Hmm. Well, I mean, so... I, I've learned a lot from Travis. So one of my best friends is a guy named Bob Goff, um, and he's done a ton of work overseas. We traveled together and, and did a lot of work. So I'm going to tell a story about Bob instead of myself because I've learned a lot from this, but this is where I've seen you know his influence impact the way that I love people, um, hopefully well. We were in Uganda, and uh, there was a guy that he put away um, into prison because he had done some really gnarly things to a kid. And, uh, but instead of just leaving him in prison, Bob would go and visit him in prison. So he puts him away for all the kind of gnarly stuff he did. Bob's a lawyer. He's also the consulate in Uganda. So he's a part of this whole process. Uh, it was a witch doctor that did some gnarly stuff to this kid. So we're in Uganda and we go and visit this guy, Kabi quite often, uh, every time we're there. And we, you know, we go into the prison and Kabi doesn't have any shoes. He's barefoot. And Bob asked the warden, why doesn't Kabi have any shoes? And he goes, well, he doesn't have any family to bring him shoes. So the way that the prison system works there is like you only get what your family. So soap, toothpaste, that only comes when like family comes and gives it to you. And so I've been following Bob around for a while, and I'm thinking, this is awesome. I'm from Portland. When we get home, I'm going to Nike. I'm going to get a bunch of shoes. I'm going to bring them to Uganda the next time I come because I was going quite often every three or four months. And so I'm thinking this is my way of being generous. As I'm thinking this, Bob is taking off his shoes and slipping them on to Kabi's feet. And it was a reminder to me that it's just, love is just action. It's not necessarily thoughts. It's not even like, you know, just it is action. And uh, I've loved that. And so, you know, hopefully the way that Bob's rubbed off on me is just that I'm quicker to find ways to be generous and use those gifts um, uh, with others. And um, whether that's saying yes to, you know, podcasts or saying yes, I just try to say yes to as many things as possible if I have the time and it's not going to impact my family. Um, but I try to say yes as much as possible just to be available uh, to people. And that's, I think, one of the gifts that maybe God's uh, using in me. I love that you told that story about Bob, because I know that you worked uh, on a program to end se- child sex trafficking. 
And mm-hmm. so, yeah, yeah. Is that something that uh, you guys are still working on? We did, we've done some projects together on that. There's an incredible um, uh, home in Uganda as well um, that was uh, rescuing kids out of out of the sex trade there. And um, it's an amazing, amazing program, an amazing home, phenomenal girls that are just, you know, finding a ton of life. Um, I also was on the board for a nonprofit called Remember New that was on the preventative side. So we would go into areas where sex traffickers were going to get the kids. Um, and there's, listen, it's a business for them. So they've got, uh, there's about 20 things that a sex trafficker is going to look at to see whether a kid is vulnerable or not to enter into the trade. And it's, you know, maybe they don't have parents. Uh, maybe there is drugs or alcohol in the family. Maybe there's already a family member that's in the trade. I mean, there's just a hit list. And if the, if enough of those things happen, then this kid is at, at risk. And so we learned from traffickers like what the hit lists were. And then we would go into areas and basically do the same profiling to get those kids out before the traffickers could come in and get them. Mm. And we would put them into an incredible family, um, you know, and and so they could get education. I mean, one of the big things are is that if if a child can get educated um, all the way up to high school, the the risk of, of being trafficked goes down like 90 something percent. I mean, it's just it's ridiculous. And so. You know, one of the big parts of helping preventatively rescue kids into the trade is to is to get them into a safe home, get them educated, get them into a school, uh, right. get them into a community. And so, yeah, I've been a part of, you know, but again, just I'm resting on the shoulders of some incredible giants that have, have done all of this work before. I was just thankful to get to be a small part in in this for sure. Mm-hmm. Let's quickly talk about prayer. Uh, it can be so personal um, and you've witnessed a lot of things. Uh, do you have any examples of how Oh, the time that you can remember how prayer just somehow connected with you. You know, I mean, I've had all the probably the I don't know if they're typical, but when you travel, you do get to see prayer uh, being lived out in a much different way than I think we um, experience it here in the U.S. Um, You know, I can definitely remember moments in India um, working with an incredible local um, ministry there and a guy named Roshan, Uh, you know, and I this is. If you had told me I would have witnessed this or been a part of this, I don't know if I would have believed it until until this moment. But I remember visiting a guy who um, had not walked in 30 years. You know, uh, he was bedridden. Uh, he was very sick. And I remember Roshan and the team visiting him. And he just said, hey, we got to go visit somebody and pray for them. And we all kind of went and, you know, in our typical fashion. And, um, you know, the guy is walking today. Uh, after that that time of prayer and praying for him and praying for all that kind of stuff. And so I've seen the miracles of prayer happen for sure. Um, you know, in my own just North American Western mindset, you know, prayer for me is much more of a conversation. I feel like I'm praying throughout the day all the time. My thoughts are prayers. I just feel like God's inside my head. He's inside my heart and he's constantly listening. And I think he's, he's in all of it. And so you know, I probably have a bunch of those kind of conversations. I'm less of the just like, let's sit down and pray and I close my eyes. I'm much more of a like, right now we're praying. Like right now we're having a conversation where God is present. He's here. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's what prayer is. Prayer is, is, is conversating with the, with, with the creator of the heavens and the earth. And um, so, I, I mean, take, I don't know, I'm, Tim will probably blast me on my theology about that maybe, but uh, <laughs> that's, that's the way I approach prayer and, and um in, in just in that conversating fashion. Mm. So 
Uh, yeah, we talk to God and he talks to us too, obviously through his yeah. word. So what is the, what's your favorite scripture that you like to stand on and what, how does it mm. relate to the season that you're walking through? Uh, I mean, I always go, the Sermon on the Mount, uh, I mean, Matthew, that's the, that's the, the book that I read that led me to faith. And so mm. there's a special, you know, part of that book for me just because of that. Um, two, I just think the Sermon on the Mount is probably one of the most, you know, flip you upside down, mess you up, you know, um, parts of scripture that for me, I'm always convicted, encouraged, reminded. I mean, like I'm like all the things in one, in one thing. Um, and so, yeah, I, I go back to the Sermon on the Mount a ton. Um, I also go to Genesis a ton and, and I think that's probably a bit of Tim's influence, but I just feel like the more I understand about, you know, um, the beginning of the story, it helps me understand where I fit in, in all of that. And, oh yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, yeah, I go to Genesis a ton. Um, I love that you said the Sermon on the Mount because I did a couple of episodes on what I like to call Jesus's speeches or pep talks. I know mm -hmm. some people wouldn't call them pep talks, but that's what I call them, his pep talks. And sure. I started with Sermon on the Mount. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, yeah. His talk on the hill, his whatever we want to call it. But yeah. and I think we've actually, this might be a bit of a Easter egg, but I know that we're working on a whole series on the Sermon on the Mount. So oh. I think that's going to be a pretty exciting, I'm, I know for me, that's the, you know, I'm, the most excited about okay, good. Hey. coming out in the future for sure. You heard it here. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We've got three rapid fire questions. Done. Two, two of which, you know, and the, right. other, and the last one we're going to see. Okay. I know um, them, but I didn't think of an answer. So, but yes, go for it. I'm, gonna, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. on the fly. All right. Which celebrity chef would you mm. most like to make you dinner? Um, Jamie Oliver and it's just because I've been, I was in the restaurant industry for a long time, you know, and Jamie Oliver was who I latched on to as anybody can cook. He just loved his personality and mm -hmm. the way that he approached cooking. So I would say Jamie Oliver all day long. Good choice. I love Jamie Oliver. Okay. Uh, who would you most like to sit next to on a 10 hour flight and why? And you've been on many 10 hour flights, so you know this. <laughs> on a few of those. <laughs> um... Gosh, you know, uh, Paulo Kaleo, Paulo Kaleo is the author that wrote The Alchemist. He's written a number of other books since then, but um, mm -hmm. that was probably one of the first books that really moved me in my just spirituality uh, as a kid. Um, and I just love the way that he thinks and I would just probably have a ton of questions for him. Um, so Paulo Kaleo. Okay. All right, I'm gonna switch this up because I God told me to go back to the deck, so I'm gonna okay. get I'm gonna get another one. By the way, I'm using Pod Decks. A little shout out to the folks behind Pod Decks. Okay, okay, this is interesting. What is something you get wrong almost every time you do it? Oh gosh. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean it's it's probably conflict with my wife. I probably get defensive way quicker than I should. Um, I know I do. I shouldn't say I probably do. I know I do. Um, I get hurt, um, eat more easy than I should. Like I, my defenses come up. I think I've got, um, you know, I've got stuff from childhood that, you know, makes me worry whether or not I'm valued or if people like me. And so when there's, when there is a conflict that somehow says that I've done something wrong, it's probably very painful and I lash out and probably a defensiveness and I would love to get better at that and just be able to, 
you know, take it in and, and not allow something that I did wrong define me as that I'm bad. You know, like there's such a difference between that. Like I do wrong things, but it doesn't mean that I'm a bad person. And I think sometimes I don't, I hear you did something wrong as I'm bad. And so that's something I do wrong almost every time. And I would like to get better at that for sure. Okay. We've got one minute left. So bonus round. What's what's something I would never guess about you? Oh, um, wow. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) When I was 14 years old, uh, I got sent to China with my uh, brother uh, by ourselves uh, my brother was 12, I was 14, and we went to go to a women's conference, the NGO Women's Conference on equality between um, men and women. And it was about 40,000 people. We went for a month and a half, and uh, but we had to figure everything out. I had to figure out like where to eat and where to sleep and what, to, you know, at 14. Um, and it was all at a women's conference. So we were one of like, there was like 40,000 people. We were one of like a thousand men registered to go. But my mom and her just amazing, uh, that would probably be like child abuse nowadays to like send your kids out. But I'm so thankful for it um, because it shaped my understanding of injustice, uh, specifically um, for women around the world at an early age when I was 14. It shaped my whole, you know, process around that. And so um, I've, you know, grown up in a a understanding of equality because of that, you know, and I didn't understand a a ton until I went to that conference and and met a lot of folks and met a lot of women that um, were just in horrific situations around the world. And Hmm. was that related to the Baha'i? It wasn't. No, I mean, Sally Field spoke, Hillary Clinton spoke. It was, it's a big kind of NGO, 1994 it was. yeah, so it was a it's a huge con- and then they just bring in people from around the world to talk about injustice and equality in their specific areas and how we can, you know, potentially make some moves to move forward. And, you know, my mom thankfully was, listen, this needs to it's mostly all women there, but this needs to be a conversation that both men and women are present to because equality is only going to be reached if we both fight for the same the same thing. And so um she wanted her, you know, sons to grow up as as men that uh, would fight for women's equality and women's injustice. And so oh, that's um, so listen, thankful that, for that. That's a whole nother 30 minutes. Oh my goodness. Yeah. That is, that's amazing that she had that foresight and look where you are today. Well, I just want to thank you so much for being on the show today. It's, I had a lot of fun. I hope you had fun. I did. Thanks so much of that. It's been, it been was, great. Yeah, it was great. And, um, I'm looking forward to uh, more seasons of the Bible Project and uh, and the little nugget that you gave us today. So thank you. <laughs> Keep your eyes open. <laughs> I sure will. You've been listening to Positively Joy. I'm your host, Yvette Walker, and thank you so much for spending some time with us. Come on over to our website, PositivelyJoy.com. You can listen to past episodes, You can download a free teachable called Five Ways to Choose Joy. See our merchandise, cool t-shirts with our new logo. We've got a lot going on at PositivelyJoy.com. So we hope to see you there. Farewell for now.